Hey family, this is James Taylor, lead pastor of the Heavenly Vision Church, where it is our vision to reach, save, strengthen, and mature. I'm glad you could tune in to this podcast today. I pray that the word will be a blessing to you and help you move towards God's will. Amen. Amen. So grab your Bibles. Let's go to the gospel according to John. The gospel according to John. When you get to John, we're going to go to the 11th chapter. We're going to read the 25th and the 26th verse. The gospel according to John, chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. You should have it on your smart device or in your Bible. (laughs) They still make those, don't they? Amen. And if not, shortly you should be able to see it on the screen. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Thank you all so much for standing in reverence and respect to the word of the Lord. My grandfather, the late Reverend Dr. Joseph Lee Jr., the one who founded this church, the one who organized this church in 1953, he he would say every Sunday when he was standing here, he would say, when you open the Bible, you open God's mouth. And I believe that we ought to be at attention to hear and receive what the Lord is saying. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you Believe this. For a few moments, matter of fact, I'm going to try my best to get it close to 30 as possible. We want to talk on the subject, the gospel according to suicide. The gospel according to suicide. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Everything we believe about anything is informed by what we have been most impacted by. Therefore, it is safe to say that many of our beliefs are forged out of feelings concerning a particular matter rather than based on the true information concerning that matter. And so as we delve into the most weighty matter of suicide, I want to encourage us all, if for a moment, to divorce ourselves from any preconceived notions concerning suicide. Divorce yourself right now of any preconceived notions concerning suicide and allow us together to look into the scriptures for understanding. If we are Christians, then our, our beliefs are based on the scripture. They're not based on the ideologies of man. They're not based on any governmental laws. They are not based on traditions that are handed down. They are based on the scripture, the word of God, the prophetic utterance of God. Amen? Amen. And so, so, so I, I appreciate anything that you've been taught about suicide before. I appreciate anything that you heard on TV or that you read or that your grandma told you. God bless all them. But let's go to the scripture today and use that as an authority. Amen? 
Amen. Amen. And, and, and allow me to welcome this right now. As long as I've been pastoring Heavenly Vision, I have always had an open door policy. And what that means is that if there's anything I'm preaching or teaching on that you have question or issue with, you have every right to come and talk to me. And we will discuss the scripture together. Is that all right? Amen. So according to the biblical account, there are several instances of suicide. Let's, let's, let's walk through them for a minute. The first recordance of suicide in the Bible is Abimelech. Abimelech. Everybody say Abimelech. <laughs> Abimelech was, was a king and he actually was hit by a millstone by a woman that he was trying to kill. And because he didn't want anybody to know that a woman with a rock killed him, he killed himself with his own sword. I'm giving you scripture references so you can see them and you may want to take a screenshot or you can take them when you go home so you can have, have that. So we see Abimelech killing himself. Then, then we also see the, the great judge Samson who kills himself. Don't you dare say, I told you to divorce that. I told you to get rid of that. Samson committed suicide after feeling as if he failed God. And in fact, he did. He asked the Lord for one more Burst of strength. And he says, I'm coming to see you, Father, but I'm going to bring some Philistines with me. And so the Bible says that he has his, his C&I person help him and leads him to the pillars of the great Colosseum. And he pushes the pillars in, killing himself and all of the Pharisees that were there. Then we see the great King Saul, the very first king of Israel. The Bible says that while uh, the, the forces of David were, were coming uh, upon him, much like uh, even that of Adolf Hitler, knowing that the forces are against him and they're getting ready to come take his life, he says, I know they're about to kill me, but I don't want to give them the satisfaction, and so I'll just kill myself. And then the second one is right next to him. It's his armor bearer. We don't have a name for him because the Bible doesn't give him a name. He's just Saul's armor bearer. And Saul's armor bearer is so overcome with grief. And, and he sees his master laying there dead. He said, well, if my master is dead, I got to go and die with him. The Bible says he runs himself through and he dies. Then there is Ahithophel. Say that ten times fast. Ah. <laughs> uh, Ahithophel, and, 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 and with him, now, now here, here's, 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 here's a cold part, because this, this man, Ahithophel, he was one of David's wise counselors. He was a counselor of David. Read the story. And, and the Bible says that he counsels David. Now, he counsels David in the wrong way. And just like anybody who counsels you, you have the prerogative to either listen to what they say or not listen to what they say. The Bible says that David decides to go a different direction. And when he gets word that David does not listen to his counsel, he is so overcome with grief that he commits suicide. <laughs> then there's another one. There, there, there's, there's Zimri, who was only king for a few weeks. Zimri was only king for a few weeks. And, 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 and as the opposing forces are coming upon his castle, coming upon the king's house, he sees them from a distance. And he says, they're, they're coming to kill me. But I'm not going to give them the satisfaction, and so I'll just light my house on fire. And he dies in the flame. 
commit suicide. And then there's the most popular one, right? Judas. Well, ooh, I know what I, I ask you again to divorce what you feel. He is overcome with grief. And he acknowledges at the very moment that I have, this is words, he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. I did wrong. I was filled with hatred. I was filled with, with malice. I was filled with jealousy. I was filled with greed. But I don't even want this money anymore. And so the Bible says that he throws the 30 pieces of silver back at the feet of the Sanhedrin. And he goes and he hangs himself. Commit suicide. Now, while much can be debated on the reasons these men committed suicide, and by the way, we, we, we need to acknowledge the fact that even though it is not written simply because of the male-centric concept of the Old Testament Scripture and even the New Testament Scripture to a certain degree, it is safe to assume that suicide also plagued women as well. While it was just men that were accounted for, really, most of the time, it was simply because they dominated the narrative. But it is not to say that it was not an issue for the feminine sex as well. And so while we can debate much about why they committed suicide, whether it be honor, whether it be loyalty, whether it be fear or even distress, there are some empirical truths that must be acknowledged. The first thing that we need to understand about suicide is that suicide is not a native thought to humanity. Rather, it is a reactionary thought which is based on one's condition or the counsel they have received. I'm going to say this one more time. The human does not naturally develop the thought of suicide. The, 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 the law of preservation would say that we cannot and we should not consider the thought of killing oneself because the thought of it is, goes contrary to the law of nature. So if that be true, then that means that any thought of suicide that we ever entertain does not start with us. It is not native to the human being. Rather, it comes because of our conditions or it comes because of the counsel we receive. Now, what we also need to understand is that while suicidal thoughts are not native to humanity, the idea of such is common. If I would ask you to raise your hand right now, and I'm not asking you to because I don't want your neighbor to judge you. If I were to ask how, how many of us have, have encountered suicidal thoughts or have, have, have had suicidal ideations, we would see hands all over the sanctuary. And we would consider that person in a different way because we know that they are baller. They always look good. They head done, nails done, everything done. But we must understand that it is common. So don't treat anybody like they got cancer because they have suicidal ideations. Because the fact of the matter is, if stuff get bad enough for you, you might consider it too. The reality is that, that if you have the wrong people in your ear, they may hasten you to the grave. 
Here's, here's what the scripture says. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. I've been studying the Proverbs recently, just even as I've as coming to the new month, the Lord has arrested me to study the Proverbs all month. And so now I'm every day I'm studying a proverb. And, and, and the proverb that I was studying yesterday was Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. And it says, a man's spirit will endure sickness. You can deal with sickness. But notice what the scripture says. But a crushed spirit, who can bear it? Who, Solomon, the wisest man in the earth, he says, I have not seen anybody that knows how to bear. You can deal with cancer. You can deal with HIV. You can deal with, with, with diabetes. You can deal with all of that and just struggle through it. But depression? Ain't nobody strong enough. This is what the scripture says. And so we must understand that, and, and, I, and I know that many, many times when people, uh, when, when they suffer with suicidal thoughts and when they consider it, or even for those who have gone on and, and, and been successful in it, when we read in their writings that they leave behind or videos that they leave behind, what they're saying is, is that I wanted to stop the pain. I wanted to stop the struggle. I wanted to stop the trauma. I wanted to stop the proverbial bleeding. I needed it to stop. And so the only way I could see to stop or to, or to cease all of these issues that were bombarding me was to take my life. And that's why I did it. But I have to insert some truth. Remember, take away everything that you thought you knew. Here's the reality. Suicide does not end trauma or distress. For the one that committed it. Listen, the reality is, is that it rather merely transfers to the next of kin. Do you hear what I say? That doesn't end with you. If you were to successfully go home today and successfully commit suicide, all the pain and the struggle and the, and the issues that you feel right now, they would not end. They would simply be transferred to your next of kin. Every, every, every suicidal tendency and every suicidal thought, most of the majority of them, if not all of them, they are based on the idea that if I can just die, I'll move on. And while we may think ourselves less than because we struggle with them, you must understand that if you have suicidal tendencies or suicidal ideations, what you must understand is that you have joined a great fraternity, sorority. For it is the Apostle Paul who, who in the Acts of the Apostles says, listen, y'all, you study around verse, uh, chapter 16. He says, listen, the weight was so hard, I, I, I almost figured that, you know what, God, I should just go on to be with you. Jonah when he sees that Nineveh does not burn down, almost says, Lord, well, listen, if you ain't burning him down, you might as well just kill me because I, I don't even know why I'm prophesying. The prophet Elijah, when, when he is challenged by Jezebel and says, by this time tomorrow, you shall surely die, he runs into a cave and says, God, take my life because I'm no better than my daddy. Many people wrestle with these things, but I need you to understand that, that these thoughts will not stop when you die. They will just be transferred to your next of kin. So if you are or have challenge with, with, with suicidal thoughts, you need to understand 
that even though you may be going through, many of us, we have a great love for them that we're going to leave behind. And that's why we would write them letters. That's why we would make videos. That's why we would send them certain messages. And the reality is, if you love them, consider them. Because anything that you're dealing with now, you're just going to put it on them and then they will have to vicariously deal with it without even having the root cause of it. So it'll be even worse for them. The Apostle Paul in his magnum opus of a book called Romans, he declares that everything that does not come from faith is sin. Notice what the scripture says again, everything. Now, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't agree with Paul all these years. You didn't took Paul and said, you know what, I, 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 all my needs will be provided according to his riches and glory. Now, if you accept that Paul, you got to accept this Paul too. Everything that is not done in faith is sin. Therefore, one must come to grips with the reality that as it relates to the subject matter, it is not only, watch this, not only is suicide a sin, but so are the ideations of such. So, if I put my brother in hell who committed suicide, then that means I got a first class ticket to hell too. Jesus says, you ain't got to kill nobody. All you got to do is hate. And you're a murderer. Jesus says, you don't have to go sleep with nobody, family. If you think about it in your head, you're already an adulterer. So if the successful suicide victim is going to hell, then we have to put ourselves in hell too because we have successful faults. But we're not done yet. We have to then wrestle with the question, is it enough to keep us out of heaven? Because we've heard, well, well, they didn't have time to repent. They didn't have time to say, God, I'm sorry. And so if they die before they repent, and if they repent, then that means that they previously have a relationship with the one that they are repenting to. While the debate becomes increasingly complicated here, we have to give a simple answer. And the simple answer is, if my brother who, who accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they commit suicide, are they going to hell? The simple answer from a theological, biblical perspective, the answer is no. Prove it, preacher. Bishop. Right? This is what Christ declares in Mark chapter 28. Three, Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Listen to what Jesus says. All our sins will be forgiven. 
for the one who claims faith in Jesus Christ, all our sins would be forgiven. Because many of the theological debate is to say that they have not confessed the sin of suicide because they died. And so their death means that they could not confess the death, and so they go to hell on the basis of the death. But when we are in faith in Jesus Christ, our confession is not our confession of sin, but it is our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. So when we have to confess sin, notice, notice this. When the, when the Bible teaches us about confession of sin in the scripture, it is on the basis of relationship. Not on the basis of absolution of sin or the cleansing of unrighteousness. The reality is this. That anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, one would hope that one would live a long life full of grace and favor. But if one would be so overcome by grief on the very day that they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we would have to assume that their salvation is secure. Because their salvation is not based on the sins they confess. Their salvation is based on their confession of Christ as their Lord and Savior. Fight me. We have to understand that as it comes to the matter of soteriology, the study of salvation, our salvation is based on the complete work of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, lest it were by works so that any man should boast. If I can do something to secure it and keep it, then I have to be the founder of it. But if my salvation is secure and kept through the power of the finished work of Jesus Christ, then that's where it stays. Now, what if my friend, my loved one commits suicide and they have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? The reality is they're going to hell. But the same is for the one who lives 88 years and dies of old age, who never receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Our salvation is based on our relationship with Jesus, not our relational context in life. So then, the word that Christ spoke to Martha at the grave site of his dear friend Lazarus must become the definitive statement on death of anyone who believes in Christ. I'm going to say this again. The statement that Jesus makes to Martha at the grave of Lazarus, his beloved friend, has to now become the benchmark upon which we judge every person who dies in Christ, no matter the conditions of their death. 
because you would remember if you read chapter 11 it's its entirety once Jesus finally makes it clear to the disciples that their beloved friend brother companion Lazarus is dead it was Thomas who says oh my Lord let us go and die with our brother Lazarus dead he was a good dude he brought one of the best dudes in Bethany. Every time we needed food, he fed us. Every time we needed shelter, he took care of us. Lazarus gonna get sick and die? We out here preaching and teaching and healing people and we can't even save our own brother Lazarus? I'm too overcome with this. I want to die too. Jesus says it's, it's for your sake that he died so that you can hear the truth and believe. So when he gets to Martha, Martha says, if you had have been here, things would have been different. If you had have been here, my brother would not have died. And he responds to her in our principal text. And we then have to apply this to every death that takes place in the life of a believer. Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, Though he were dead, it don't matter how he died. Though he were dead, if he believes in me, Jesus, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, even the ones that commit suicide, everyone that is inclusive of all believers and exclusive of none, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, I know I just threw a lot at you. But I'm going to ask you, just like Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Because that's going to challenge everything that goes on from here. People you didn't put in hell. Thoughts that you have continued through the lineage of your family? The question is, do you believe this? And I want to leave this with you because I, I, as a faith leader, I am called to present the truth. I can't make you eat it. Now, I'm not trying to say that nobody's pastor, reverend, doctor, bishop, apostle, prophetess, prophet. I'm not challenging anybody's authority. I just know the scripture. And we have to apply the scripture to our life and to all matters of life in order to develop truth. And so I ask you again, just like Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Because that will, that will determine how you operate in your life, what you believe. Remember, at the top of this message, I asked you, I presented to you as a statement that everything we believe subsequently is, is, is founded upon what we're most impacted by. And so sometimes what we believe is not necessarily true, but just what hit us the hardest. But I need you to understand that just like every other sin we commit, suicide is not a sin that is unforgivable. It is not a sin that God can't redeem. He is faithful. Some of us have been plagued for years with the thought of loved ones being in hell. 
because they were overcome by their circumstances. But it is not so, brother. It is not so, sister. If they called upon the name of the Lord, they are saved. And you can rest tonight understanding and knowing that their salvation is secure. And if you are in this room today and you are struggling with that thought of suicide, understand that it don't end with you. Because it didn't start with you. But you serve a God who is able to be right there with you every step of the way. One of the ama most amazing stories are gospel accounts, biblical accounts of a suicide attempt was when the apostle Paul and Silas, they were beaten and then they were put in prison. You remember that story? The Bible says that at midnight, they prayed and sang praises to the Lord and a great earthquake happened and their chains were broken free and the, and the gates opened. Pastor Kena, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that the jailer who was just there doing his job, he felt like he failed. He knew that they were just going to leave and run away and, 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 and he was going to die because he did not do his mission. He was unsuccessful in his assignment. My wife can attest to this when I was finishing this sermon. It broke me down. I, I, I had to stop. I had to come away from my computer and just lament and ask God to forgive me. The Apostle Paul, he didn't preach to him. He didn't try to bargain with him. He didn't even try to threaten him and say, well, if you kill yourself, you're going to hell. Here's what Paul says. Don't kill yourself. Because we're all here. And I had to repent because I'm trying to figure out those who, who I've known close who have committed suicide. I repented because I said, God, I wasn't there. Who life could you save? Not through your prophesying, not through your preaching, not through your bugging them, but just through the ministry of presence. And I need you to hear the same words that the Apostle Paul said. Do not harm yourself. We are all here. I'm not trying to, I don't know what you're going through. I don't, I can't say that I, that I understand it even. But I need you to know that no matter what you're going through, we are all here. We right here. I can't, I ain't got no answer for you. I can't, I, I, I ain't got no scripture that's going to make you feel better right now. But I need you to understand we here. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You are not an island. You are a member of a family. You got brothers. You got sisters. You got mamas. You got daddies. You got bros. You got friends. You got family. Pull them close. Pull them close. Paul and them, they could have they ran. They could have bounced. They could have like, oh, we free. We out of here. Deuces. But because they stayed, they had every right to go run free, Lady Marquette. But because they stayed, because they exercised the ministry of presence, not only was the man saved, but his whole family was saved. 
And I'm declaring that as we operate in the ministry of presence in this moment, and not just in this moment, but after today, even in the sad moments, even in the dark moments, even in the midnight moments, because midnight was, it was exciting for Paul and Silas, but it was a death sentence for that jailer. I need you to know, even in those moments, you're not alone. If you got to call us, we'll come to you. I'm not saying this proverbially. I'm not saying this as preacher pulpit talk. I'm telling you the truth. We will come to you. If you need somebody, we are all, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Were you blessed by the message you just heard? If so, please leave a review so others can glean from the lessons you learned. And if you would like to help us continue ministry, feel free to give at hvcla.com. We love you, family.